0: The constant threat of a global nuclear conflict was a dark specter that haunted the heads of the world's superpowers. Almost every occurrence of objects launched into the atmosphere had to be identified and accounted for. Hundreds of missile tests and satellite launches from both sides of the Iron Curtain were matters of national concern. But it wasn't until 1978 that the Soviet Union took a formal action to investigate UFOs that had been reported. All across the country. This decision came on the heels of a spectacular event that occurred in the late summer of the year before. An event that was observed by scores of witnesses across northwestern Russia and as far as Finland. An enormous UFO that seemed to have almost biological properties as it lit up the night sky. This case file join the theorists as they jam out with the giant Soviet jellyfish, also known as the Petrosovatsk Phenomenon.
1: Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 214, Petro Phenomenon, aka the Jellyfish Anomaly. I'm Brayden.
2: I'm Zell. I'm Dan.
1: And I'm Andrew.
3: I like that. Did I say it right? Jellyfish Anomaly. We're going with that. you got it.
1: I wasn't sure because it was, uh, I was fucking it up
3: right
4: before we started. Okay, that's good. I mean, if this you is... didn't fuck it up a bit, it probably wouldn't have sounded right, anyways. I think that's just come to be expected. Yeah, you're by not now.
3: allowed to speak perfect by any means.
4: I mean, if we wanted the intro done perfectly, we'd get Dan to do it.
2: Sure, yeah, I don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> we don't keep you around for your pronunciation skills.
4: No, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know why
3: you keep me around.
4: Why, why do
2: we? Yeah, why is yeah. Ever, anyone kept around? It's yeah. all
4: superficial, man. It's all baby blue. I'll keep him around for yeah. sex appeal.
3: Everybody knows that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, BJ for the Cheeks. F- 13 people
4: that watch. It's all live eyes for- and thighs, <laughs> man. That's all we want. Yeah.
3: Eyes and thighs. With this fancy done up photo he does for himself for the socials. I, it's <laughs> the only photo I have of myself on there. It's the only photo that's on Canva. The rest of us are just stock, and then Braden's got a fucking <laughs> w- wig on, <laughs> glasses. Love it. I can't I just have a memeable face.
1: <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> this was the uh UFO, no, the the Patreon fan pick of the week for the month. Normally we rag on them for their picks. This one at first glance I was like, what the hell? They picked another stinker, but no, it's pretty good. So if you want your voice heard, uh jump on patreon.com. I think it's ten dollars and up picks once a month, what we do. Is that is it?
2: Yep. Is that I believe yep. so. Ten dollar tier gets to put in their vote for whatever we put up there. We usually put three choices at the beginning of the month, and those write it out, and whichever one uh, you know they fight to the death, and whoever that comes is. out on top, that's what we and do just, at the end
4: of the and month. And I mean, like, just to show how devoted we are to taking your guys' opinion, we still do them when they fucking suck. So it goes <laughs> like to show sure. you, sure. like, we're what, right when there's <laughs> shitty topics, we still do it for you guys, right? Like, I mean,
2: there's no shitty topics, but that's some shit. We're just topics. shitty at there's doing them. A couple them. duds. I'm, we're
3: the shitty at doing them.
4: Potentially. <laughs> hey, no, we're deflecting the blame to them.
3: It's their fault. So if you Come don't on. like this no? one, it, again, again. You can't it's your fucking
1: fault. You
3: blame it on yourself. Yeah, Look in the mirror. It's, it's Look our, all, the all of our supporters' mirror. fault. <laughs> no, this week, though, I think uh, it's, it's a cool a, it's, a, a it's an cool interesting one. Another one I had I've never heard of before, not even remotely. And there's not not a, not a lot of info on a,
2: on the internet. This one, but this one is immensely important in terms of uh, the history of ufology. I think outside of the, in the United States, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah I, this I one agree. is immensely important, and that I I also hadn't heard of it. I think when I came across it for the choices kind of poked around and uh, came upon this one. And and, yeah, superficially, like right at the right at first glance, doesn't seem that much. But then when you get into it, you realize that it's it's historical significance is vastly, I think, um, like understated. It's like Like it's up there with Blue Book,
3: you know, mm -hmm. it should be just a Russian version.
1: And like, you know, tiny spoiler alert. I went into this one thinking, oh, this is some UFO case. And I left thinking, is this, maybe this is a cryptid case.
4: Oh, what you saying. So it's like a fucking giant tentacruel in the sky. Yeah, huh? possibly. <laughs> so <laughs> right? it's a Pokemon cryptid. Right? Some
1: light oh, anomaly. Yeah. All right. Some, right? Because some people call it the jellyfish anomaly.
3: Mm, it's true.
1: And maybe this is some sort of weird atmospheric beast. Uh, that's something that I learned about. Uh, well, looking into this case file is that, uh, of uh, like atmospheric beasts. So, you know, uh, but without further ado, what, what is this case? Where does it start off?
2: So Not on Russia. September 20th, <laughs> yes, definitely Russia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so on September 20th, 1977, uh, you had an event which was to become known as the Petrozavodsk phenomenon, uh, but it, that wasn't the first name for it. Originally, it was kind of the Phenomenon over Petrozovotsk. And then even some news articles at the time would go as far as calling it the Petrozovotsk Miracle. Uh, you know, once was, they got their hands uh, I, on it.
1: I had also read that it was just at one point called The Phenomenon. Yeah.
2: That's it. Mm-hmm. Just, just like, the that's the phenomenon. One, everyone knew. It was but just but The, the my, Phenomenon over no, Like That was the name. I
1: yeah. had read that at one point it was just referred to as Just The Phenomenon. But I guess more phenomenons started happening, and they're like, yeah. they "Phenomenon had to relinquish gotta, its title." Yeah, we gotta we gotta add some stuff to this. To <laughs>
2: we gotta clarify which one
1: <laughs> people are starting to say which one.
2: <laughs> uh, so uh, again, on that. You know, that late September or mid-September day, you had sightings of a huge, uh, what pe- some people described, or many people described as a jellyfish-shaped object in the sky, and these reports came in from not only Russia, but also as far as Finland. Okay. So about 4.05 a.m., a group of dock workers on the early shift uh, uh, that morning saw uh, what they reported as a blinding light emerge from the direction of Lake Onega in the, uh, the Northwest of Russia. And then um, there and was, that's a good point to make too, to distinguish
1: because for a long time, i looking into this whenever I think Russia, I kind of forget anything outside of the East coast even exists. And Russia is absolutely enormous. Because you know this thing is seen over other countries as well. So in my head, I was going, "How far did this thing travel?" Not that far. This has all happened on the east side of Russia. I don't want to say east coast, but east border borders of Russia or west
3: borders.
2: Western <laughs> western, <laughs> borders. western border Wait, which Russia. yeah, which
3: one did I read? I, I read west. But. The western east side of Russia. <laughs> the western <clears throat> northern western the north but
1: eastern. little south of the north side.
3: Yeah, in that that general area,
2: yeah. all direction is relative. I mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, <So. laughs> um, west so, of center, but east of west. You know what I'm saying? You
2: go. Gotcha. So this event actually would become one of the uh, uh, like larger events uh, to kind of solidify in the Soviet UFO history. Um, there would be multiple investigations about w- the event and like the phenomenon and what actually happened. There were multiple government and uh, like civilian science. Uh, explanations put forward about what it is but still to this day it is still disputed about what exactly happened so um the the official investigation the first one which occurred in 19 uh like just a few months after the actual uh event um you had an official use only preliminary report like a, a high security report um that is certain governments use and it was put po- it was prepared by uh an engineer physicist menkov and petro petrovskaya i'm going to butcher these names so hard <laughs> get ri- buckle up everybody buckle up let's do it <laughs> crack another beer yeah right if you wanted them butchered you'd have me seeing them every time <laughs> and um th- this is the original report that came out like j- you know the re- this is the most um uh, like the 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 one that occurred just directly after it. So, I mean, this would probably be like the most accurate or had the information that was available at the time. And that one came out to actually become the deemed inconclusive is what they said. So they couldn't figure Mm. out what exactly it was. And then um, you'd later have scientists go in and you had a report or a paper filed by Lev Maronovich Gindelis uh, and colleagues in 1999 and uh, Lev Moranovich uh, Gindelis is actually um, one of the pioneers of modern SETI research. Like he was a Soviet scientist, but he was also instrumental in, uh, in implementing a lot of like the SETI and the search for extraterrestrials uh, signals you know, via radio technology. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, passed away uh, earlier this year in May. But right. in his report. Uh, they broke down all they took in a ton of information, Uh, reports from uh, like firsthand reports for people who actually witnessed the phenomenon, Uh, military and civilian science reports, and they kind of put it together. And when they did their analysis, they were able to kind of separate the actual event into what they identified as like three different distinct phases that they tried to define. So when first, this was
1: seen by a lot, like a lot of people over the span of. A couple of countries like there was a lot of witnesses to this event even at four or five in the morning you know the some ungodly hour but it's it is russia so what
2: else are you going to do right you had you had tons of witnesses to actually see the event and like the the different different phases of these event so they took a lot of the uh the witness reports and kind of took those to uh to be able to kind of distinguish uh where what the event happened and, and how it began and then how it ended. So you had, the first phase is probably best described uh, from a report that was uh, brought forward by an amateur astronomer from the village of Nemunyevo, uh which is 35 kilometers Northwest of Petrosovsk. Now uh, they described the object as having a body in the form of a lens. And then it was somehow it was surrounded by a, a matte translucent ring so if I mean if you can it, 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 for, like picturing that in your head immediately is like sounds like a jellyfish like yeah. if, if that's what you're kind of thinking Sky jelly.
1: A, it describes it pretty good like that that's what put it in my head that like I was like oh, okay well I see why people say jellyfish because the outside wasn't really glowing it was just you know kind of see there but whatever was emitting the light was inside
4: you know encased in this translucent ring so there's some type of like nucleus in the middle of it that's glowing maybe right yeah. then was it some type of like uh like would you say like not like a
2: force field but some type of something surrounding it right it was some type of like mantle uh kind of described so it was like it they said it that the ring around the central object didn't seem to be connected by any like solid bridges or anything like that but it was still preserved during the movement of the object so it seemed like the whole thing was moving uh, like as one one so big you had this shape. lenticular body uh that was actually uh, they described it as glowing the color of dark amethyst so like a dark purple color Ooh. and then it seemed to be illuminated from within so giving off its own light not a reflection what a crazy s- phenomena what a
1: we've what never a said. excellent description of a phenomenon not like like you know a lot of times you see like oh it's just some bright light pulsating it or was this a, and that. And it was like, a glowing
3: orb uh
1: blue uh like this that's it <laughs> <laughs> i flicked for once and then it, i flicked my flashlight on it disappeared uh this is it, it paints such a good picture but i think that just goes to how many people saw it mm-hmm. you know there's artists renditions of it there's you know so many people describing it that it and and it's it's truly like a fa- sounds like a
4: unbelievable sight to see that's interesting man it's it's almost—it's weird too, because it almost sounds like it takes take shape of like let's say like a molecule, right, with the nucleus, and then it's got like the electron. Fucking.
3: Oh, I like that.
4: Shape, yeah, right? like, yes. that's, yeah.
1: <laughs> and and as it as it moved around, right, whatever that spacing was like between the outside and the inner, like let's for lack of a better word here, nucleus, it like it holds the shape, so it's not like the middle is drifting apart. It all stays in uniform as it travels across like the sky, which like is, it seems you know. connected. Yeah, like, it seems connected, but at the same
3: time, not at all. Right. Now, how uh, how did it move? Like, was it moving slow? Was it
2: fast? Like, how long did it last? So, uh, they had another report during the first phase, and this one came from Troitsk, which was in the Chelyabinsk, Chelyabinsk region, mm-hmm. um, and so this, they described it as having, like, you have your center, so they said it was some type of luminous ball, and they said it was about the size uh, comparable to the moon uh it's so in size like just kind of like sitting there uh going in there and then as it traveled it left behind this orange tail um as a contrail so how fast it moved it pretty much moved to this guy they said like this entire um event lasted about 12 minutes pretty long time actually and with that you had this um like the, the the ball also seemed like people reported as seeing it kind of like seemed to flicker and then also emitting some type of ray rays of light uh, from all along like tangential lines that came off of the, the sides. So you had these like um, uh, th- there were some reports actually of people's uh, like one or two reports of these beams of lights like hitting buildings or windows and then what? actually like boring holes through some material and buildings. And
1: not yeah, only that, but like left a, like a crystalline like substance like inside, like it burned, like like right through, like, like the light burned a hole
4: through this physical object, but without harming any person. You know, it's around. well it's not that it didn't harm them. like I was reading this one encounter about this Lev uh Lev Nikolaevich Gelkin. He was a geo uh, geophysical scientist or something like that and he witnessed it with his wife. They were in their apartment building and he described that fucking beam of light hitting his window in his apartment. and following the the you know the craft or whatever it was disappearing, he said he had this burning in his throat and then they had this like brief period of amnesia, which was fucking super weird. Am- amnesia from like the beam itself. Well, that's what it sounded like. What, like there was just this clouded fog and amnesia following the event and it took them, they, they say like until the next day where they started, you know, kind of like recollecting what exactly happened and what they saw. So it happened to both of them.
1: It, but that's such a weird thing to see too, because it's not like, it's not like this thing emitted like light beams that were just like shot out and like, you know, and laser th- whole board, laser board holes, like... F- from the witness encounters that I read and stuff, it was like I I kind of pictured the waves in my head, similar to like the movements of like an aurora,
3: and like wavy, right, where, the,
1: where the light is kind of moving and bending down to the ground, mm. and like that, like it's not shooting in a straight line, which is what caught people. Like they were so amazed, is that. You know, like from what we know of light, it doesn't move it. That's why when you watch the northern lights and seeing it bend and stuff, it, it's very cool. But to see like a some sort of craft having lights basically come off it and, you know, seemingly look like it raining light or raining glitter and, it, and, and these lights, you That's know, it's one thing to see it in the sky. It's another thing to see it right in front of you.
4: But have you seen that like picture, that. the supposed picture of it? Because that makes it kind of look like it's coming down in, like, tubes and hitting people yeah. kind of contrary to what you were describing.
3: So, like, energy yeah, rays? Yeah, i seen that picture as well, yeah. So this, the energy from this object, whatever it is, there's some reports of it actually interacting
2: with matter and, like, pitting stuff. Yeah, so some type of, a, like, a a discharge or something from the object. Yeah, there are reports of it you know, somehow affecting the, the ground below it or where it traveled. Uh, so th- this second phase of the, the ball, right? It, it, this one is kind of described with in the report as like the when it became a ball, that was the second phase. The whole, the, the jellyfish phase is like the fourth is the first one because they described it as like the ball, like once it, it like loosed from that, that lenticular formation, the ball mm-hmm. came later. Like after that, that lenticular formation came out, then you had the, like it transformed into a ball and then took off like, and then kept going. And so you had this, um, it, it, like, like Brayden said, one of the, one of the explanations that was offered was like, Oh, this is some type of like, you know, uh, Aurora or something like that. But the fact is, is that the plume from the circular object that was still traveling, it was still observed Against the background of the clouds. Like it was still oh. under like you could still see it against the clouds at the night, at night. Or yeah, early which morning, means early below morning. the clouds. Yeah.
1: Right. Which auroras, if it's cloudy, you don't see.
2: So now um, so getting past that, sorry. So getting past that. we're still in the first phase actually so now is the second phase now the second phase is what they uh the scientists in the report kind of put together from reports from these are when the object crossed into finland into finland airspace and these most of these reports were filed by you know uh by finnish press and people who were there in some of the you know some of the cities that were in the path of this object so um a lot of them observed the glowing ball phenomenon. They didn't see, they didn't describe it as like, you don't get as many reports about the jellyfish thing. You see the glowing ball object moving over these areas of land. Uh, um, so as it shifts from Russia over Finland, it seems it's changed. Like, right. The phenomenon's so it's changed. kind of either dropped the, 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 the whole like, uh, lens, lens-shaped mantle that it had formed before and now has turned into this glowing ball and um, th- these reports again we had you have numerous witnesses uh reporting this and some of the first people to notice the uh this object were actually uh police patrol cars you had one police patrol car report to their central communications and then after they reported it you had other patrol vehicles actually monitor the object as well so you had police actually you know i mean i they would be out early. Like who else would really be out at like four in the morning? (laughs) Yeah. Cops and paramedics. (laughs) Cops and paramedics. It's pretty much so, but you can kind of see there. It's not just some, it's not just like one or two people like saw this object. It is like actual policemen. Um, multiple policemen observing this object as it went. And so according to the police, you had this ball of light that was very bright moving in a northward direction and it seemed to be leaving a trail of smoke behind it. Smoke. And you had a taxi cab driver report that the illumination was so bright that it actually lit up their cab from the inside. So it was close enough to the ground that it was actually you know projecting illumination. That's why we kind of, um, you know, during cosmic channels and stuff like to ask people like if, if it's if it's close enough to the ground, it's an actual object like you'll see it casting shadows. Yep. Usually something like that is what you kind of want to look for. And so this one was bright enough giving off its own illumination to be like it's actually casting shadows. So it is something there. You know, it's not a figment of your imagination. It's yes, actually something producing is, some type of light. Well, yeah, And the
1: smoke plume is interesting, too, because when I. When I looked into, when I saw that, my brain kind of went to, I'm like, well, maybe this thing is malfunctioning, right? That's why it's in our skies. It's flying. Mm. Something's happening to it. And it's having some reaction with our atmosphere, um, you know, wind, oxygen, something's happening to it that's, you know, that's causing issues because usually smoke isn't that, it's not that great of a sign. Not in air, you know, an aircraft or anything right? in the sky. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like smoke, usually when there's smoke, there's fire. And But like usually it's not a, the best sign, especially for, I imagine, some sort of craft that, you know, is an aerial craft. It's probably not very good.
4: It's interesting with the with the differences. Like we have vast differences in what people are seeing in somewhat of a close proximity, right? I'm wondering if there could possibly be maybe two crafts.
3: Oh, two separate objects.
4: Two different crafts, right? Like we've never really talked about something that's changed its appearance like this before. It's kind of bizarre.
3: That's a new one.
1: It is str- it is strange, but you would think that with the direction it's traveling, that it it does line up with the like the witness accounts that whatever was seen at first in uh Petro Zavodsk Zavotsk. Zavotsk. Uh, you know, in the in the direction it's traveled is then seen in Finland, you know, it, it kind of tracks.
2: I mean, there, there's pretty much, uh, from the amount of reports that they, um, put together for the, the 1999 report, there's pretty much like an, un, I think there's an unbroken line of just observers that went over and like saw this object. And it's like, I mean, I mean, there are Russia is huge. So <laughs> there could have been a part where the two objects it's the first largest landmass, isn't it? Yeah. um I mean it, it essentially comprises like one-sixth of the world's land landmass. yeah it's yeah. massive it's huge um so I mean there could have been there's a possibility of course but um I think that pretty much like the whole thing uh like it just it's just seemed to go into phases especially when they talk about that at the end of the first phase that's where you have this the glowing or- orange object seem to break free or at least like move into its next phase second phase and then take off. And then that's what they saw over Finland.
4: So maybe it needs some type of pr- protective layer to get through our atmosphere. Possibly. you're going it ditches it. A-
3: right. Well, so he- the cities are only, so Helsinki and Petro Zavatsk are, mm-hmm. are 733 kilometers apart by car. So straight line, you're looking more like probably like 600 so not te- not so it depends how high the object was in the atmosphere. You could probably you'll probably see the thing the thing simultaneously within a short period of time.
2: Yeah. So the third and final phase of this object was kind of dis- um uh, determined to be uh, this intense glow. You mean this that-
1: wasn't even its final form?
2: No. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> it's not perfect yet. So uh, its its final phase was that it was observed to kind of travel near and over the horizon. And then there was a glow that seemed to just continue until the early dawn hours. And so during this phase of the phenomenon, it was uh, reported that there were actually luminous objects that were also noted at several points, like besides that object. So it was like there were other, there seemed to be other objects like trailing behind it or um, identified in the sky. Um, this, this, this phenomenon that occurred, um, definitely is, is one of the better ones because there are very few sightings of UFOs that have ever been corroborated by so many people. Yeah, no doubt. we only like just now, like we could probably make like, I'm I'm not going to promise that we will, but I'm saying that you could make like a huge, you can make like a three part, um, whole series about this event itself because there are so many reports letters that got written into news places like investigations like by civilians and things like this like people writing into their local um uh like local uh hydro climatological scientists and everything there's just a ton of reports about this phenomenon and what happened and what people saw
1: and just to add to what you said like it's one it's amazing the amount of witnesses Two, it's amazing at the sheer level, like, the amount of witnesses who, like, aren't, they're not even in the same country, not even in the same profession, don't know each other, like, spread out uh, across such vast distances, you know what I mean? Like, it's its such a, a huge chunk, it's not like, holy shit, 50 kids from camp saw it, all at the same camp, this is like, you <laughs> know, people that don't even speak the same language seeing it.
2: Yeah, like, you, yeah I mean and you had a huge cross-section of like witnesses that the people who saw it from different you know from different uh you know d- different lifestyles and whatever you want to call it but you had like policemen sailors ambulance crew uh in helsinki you had people seeing this glowing ball uh apparently in turku two men reported speed is seeing that this uh a uh, spinning object that they described similar to a life buoy and then in even in denmark there was a report of pilots uh flying over copenhagen that saw this glowing object that same night
1: oh you know and- what i meant to look look up how how twelve kilometers in meters? Oh shit!
4: Cloak of invisibility. Twelve kilometers. That's what they
1: said. T- that's twelve thousand meters. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's basic math. I guess. Basic math. A little bit of metric Do you system wanna, there. So what's that in feet? That's what I meant. So twelve thousand meters to feet, because that's what they uh, that's what they saw it at. So thirty nine thousand feet. So up the cruising altitude, baby. Wait, what? What are we at? How many meters are we at?
3: 12,000? 12, 12,000. So 12,000. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, times three point whatever.
1: Yeah. Cause they said from, I remember reading that and them saying uh, like 12 kilometers up. Oh, I must have a hot key on that tur- kicks, yeah. kicks my, kicks my camera off somewhere. But I don't know what the hot key is. Anyways, <laughs> the,
3: uh, players hiding in embarrassment.
1: No, 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 never. Okay, okay. I just I show my embarrassment to the world every time I step out of my house. <laughs> it's so it's it's at cruising altitude in, in in Copenhagen here, like
2: where they see it. These pilots yeah. see it way up there. I mean, you even had the director of the Petrosovetsk Hydro Meteorological Observatory tell the local news agency that they had him and nobody uh, among his staff at his agency had ever seen something. Like this, uh, in meteorology, like they'd never seen something similar to this since their service there in the Corellia air, like area, never seen anything like it. Yeah,
3: this is this is one of the stranger ones we've talked about. It's not like a; it's a long-lasting event over multiple locations. When it changes,
2: seemingly like changes shape, and and as it, as it moves along. And as you can imagine that this is 1977 so you're at pretty much the you know rising if not height of the Cold War oh, yeah um, this event witnessed by so many people within the Soviet Union and outside the Soviet Union and you know in close proximity sent shock waves through the entire Soviet Union and there were a lot it, it caused it, it is probably the catalyst for what would become the, uh, the equivalent, or the Soviet equivalent, to Project Blue Book.
3: Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. Like, really, like they ended up investigating. We're going to get to it more in the, throughout the case file, but like, like ten thousand events over the this period of time. They had to take this seriously because
1: at this time, like, people legitimately thought that you know this was perhaps some people thought it was the Americans attacking them. Some people thought it was a nuclear bomb set off in the atmosphere. Like, people thought potentially they were under attack seeing this thing.
2: So you had the Kremlin actually convene uh, an unprecedented meeting of the military and scientific experts. So it was a, a joined effort by both the academic bran- like the academic branches and services, and then you had the military as well kind of come together, which had never happened before. And they put these guys in the same room um, in order to hammer out a plan. As to what they were going to do about this phenomenon and future phenomenon, because the government was under immense pressure uh, from just the circumstances itself. You had the news agencies, like, even though it is, you know, considered, you know, it is communist Russia um, and they have control of the press, it had just gotten out. Um, there, there is something, I read something that it was probably, it only got out because the news service that sent it in it didn't hit any of the uh the kind of i guess the trigger words that the KGB or whoever like the, <laughs> the people who are monitoring the media it didn't really hit any of those markers or didn't have any of the markers on there so it ended up making it into uh into print and then people actually seeing it and and talking about it and being able to to kind of corroborate the reports and then it just kind of blew up from there therefore it kind of put pressure on the U UA- the the politicians to kind of do something about it you know um i, I mean you could compare it to like the the washington the, the washington dc ufo flap you know mm. you could you could compare it to that where it's like there's so much stuff happening over a, a major city and people are like people are scared i mean you got to do you got to do something you have to yeah. offer up some type of explanation you have to show that you're doing something to put the
3: they got no. The government has no choice at that point when it affects that many of its citizens to not act in some way. Right. So pretty much, so this event is kind of like that, isn't it? So many people witnessed it. It got out into the press. Everyone's talking about it. So it pretty much forced the Soviet Union at the time to start their own Project Blue Book to investigate thousands. But uh, just before we get a little farther into it, we're gonna take a short break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: We're back talking about the uh, Petrozovotsk right. phenomenon, which now um, at this point in the, after the the event itself, uh, a lot of ufologists will kind of uh, attribute this as the, or kind of name this as like the impetus or the driving force behind the, the Soviet Union taking UFOs seriously. Um, you know, it's, this is like 20 years after, Uh, you know, United States started actually kind of, or at least 10, what, 10 years, like a decade. What was, what was 1967? Blue book. No, something like that. Blue book. So yeah, not even following in the steps, but actually kind of putting this thing together. So what I loved
1: loved about this was that everyone's freaking out about this encounter. So many witnesses and officials come on. They're like, listen, listen, it was nothing. Your eyes, they play tricks, many tricks. It was the Soyuz, uh, we had a Soyuz uh, rocket launch. That's what you saw. It was just that. And then behind closed door, they're like, get, get a, God damn it. Get us the best. We need the best people researching UFOs right now. What is going yesterday. on? What is going on out there? And I'm like, well, if it was, if it was, if it was truly the Soyuz rocket, which makes no fucking sense. Based on the descriptions, why? Like, why immediately after are you so interested in getting a Uf- like UFO researchers and 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 getting to the bottom of this?
4: I, I don't, it's so hard to believe though because you think about it and like, okay, it's the first largest landmass in the world. Okay, this is how many years po- post World War II. So how many fucking nu- nuke tests and shit like that have they been doing? And we all know that fucking UFOs like to come around and sniff around you know bases and wherever there's nukes and stuff like that like you really th- they had nothing for UFOs before this nobody investigating this type of shit
2: no not like really how do we they know didn't that have sure? a they didn't have a standardized uh reporting or any kind of like chain of command that as, they uh, wanted us to know about well yeah it's possible yeah um Maybe. they didn't have like a public one like the, both the the uh, see for them it was the for the soviets it was the military industrial commission um And then you had the National Academy of uh, Sciences and you didn't have any communication between the two before this. Like you didn't really have an idea of like how um, one could, there there were civilian UFO investigations. Like there was the Soviet um, there was a Soviet equivalent to kind of like NICAP and like MUFON, like the civilian UFO logical societies like those did exist. And um, there's probably, we'll probably actually have to do a, case file about like uh, one of the founders uh, it's, it's Alfred Siegel um, mm. was one of kind of like this the, the pioneers of Soviet UFO ufology um, right to talk about him uh, at some point down the road but you had the civilians who were kind of just putting together reports eyewitness reports but you didn't have the kind of manpower that could actually be harnessed by the you know the giant military uh, industrial commission, the entire armed forces of Russia being able to get eyes on the sky and, and reports get behind uh, that it. you could pull in from those things, especially dur- uh, around areas like proving grounds and um, military installations. You hadn't had the Academy of Sciences, civilian scientists hadn't had access to any of that stuff uh, before this. So you had um, those two branches coming together in 1978 to begin investigating. They're they're scratching
1: their heads. They're like, maybe a cover missile with sheet. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, So you had the, uh, both, both arms were kind of tasked with separate responsibilities in, uh, in terms of like what, what they would, what information, where their information was sourced from. So you had the defense ministry, which naturally, um, studied the observation reports that came from various arms of, uh, of the service. Uh, and then the Academy of Sciences would get collect reports that were from research organizations. And this would continue from 19 pretty much from 1978 until uh, the 90s uh, until like the, the total collapse of the, the, the Soviet Union. Uh, that they did this. So you twice subsequently in 1981 and 1986, they put forth five year plans of defense related research that were approved and then incru- included the problem of, of what they termed anomalous phenomenon. So it's kind of, um, I like, uh, I like that uh, AP.
1: That's right. what they call them. <laughs> Maybe we That's have, what they called them
3: in, uh, in rush APs. Right. So back to, so in two separate reports, it made it into like a full
2: comprehensive like defense report that. To- well, it was like it pretty much like in the defense budget, like it was in there was money budgeted towards uh, government funds were budgeted towards the effort of identifying anomalous phenomenon. Uh, so they had their own A tip. Yeah, it, it, that's yeah, that's what I would totally when I was reading this, I was like, oh, this is. Oh, Essentially, oh. ATIP. This is, this is Project, this is Grudge, this is uh, Blue Book, this is oh, ATIP. All this countries
3: is... around the world, this, you know, study UFOs. <laughs>
2: no big yeah. deal. Everyone's curious. And um, so they took into consideration the public's reaction to a, a full... Uh, essentially a full legalization of the studies of the nature of ufos or what they titled anomalous phenomenon so i you know you have to note that they called it officially they kind of put out the word that's like we're not referring it we're referring to these as ufos we're going to call them anomalous phenomenon because uh, you know as scientists they don't want that kind of baggage on the just leave uh, it wide open that they're wide open Um, so they wanted to, uh, they took into like three considerations into uh, this, this legislation or the, the funding of this program. And so they wanted the formal association of the research program with the classified plan of work on defense projects. Uh, they wanted the initially assumed high probability that the observed strange phenomenon uh, would have their origin in military technology and the possible military use in the event of successful solution of the problems formulated of certain. How do we kill them of UFOs? <laughs> so, well, uh, you know uh, th- what they identified is like the things that they would want to study or would probably have the highest value in terms of military application where the absence of radar target contrast and high maneuverability like those things that we have seen in UFOs uh you know going at flying at 90 degree angles instantaneous acceleration Stop starting um, yeah, up yeah down. unable to be picked up and on radar those kinds of things like those were they they that but those considerations like that was the immediate target of their yeah.
1: The zoomies, but just for planes. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: that they were gonna as kind of knowledge, or you know, that was the the tar, the um, the intentions of the scientific study of these anomalies is that that naturally we're going to apply these to military first. Like that's what they were gonna do. And so you had the uh, the Central Military Research Institutes, which were located just outside of Moscow, and this was named the main executor to, of the military section for the UFO program. Uh, you mean you had the it's- AP program? AP program. <laughs> um, its head was uh was VP Vebelishov, and he was a prominent specialist in radiation caused and other injurious effects on military hardware, and he was appointed as its scientific supervisor. So uh the the military was more concerned with the idea that these UFOs would uh pose a risk to military. Operators and personnel and operations—that um, was their biggest concern. So naturally, they would put somebody in charge, uh, such as VP Belashov, that uh, that had experience in uh, examining the effects of uh, w- what could happen uh, if these things. So somebody who is familiar with that kind of uh, that kind of knowledge. Uh, on the other side, uh, the man appointed to the academic part of the UFO studies was academ- <laughs> academic <laughs> V.V. Muguen, uh, who was a leading expert in the theory of oscillation and propagation of radio waves, radio waves and radar. And he became the director of the Academy's Institute of Terrestrial Magnetism, the ionosphere and radio radio wave propagation. Oh, that are is- you
1: talking about RWP? Exactly. That is a great, okay, yeah, yeah. an
2: absolutely great program. I, I right
1: thought there. I knew I thought I knew what that it, was Yeah, kind of, kind I, will, I, will admit, I was there.
2: exhausted by the end of researching this because there were so many fucking acronyms and there are so many institutes going through all this stuff. My I had a headache by the time I was done researching all this shit. I kept pulling all this stuff up. I'll say that right now. Uh oh, I had to lay down after reading some of these. Um <laughs> Hard drive, hard drive overload. <laughs> uh, so uh, one one characteristic of the study uh, for these for these research projects is that um, a lot of a lot of scientists that were associated with the projects can tell you that the study of anomalous phenomenon was one of, if not, the least expensive, defense related, research projects.
1: That doesn't surprise me in the slightest that they wouldn't give a lot of money mm,
2: to Yeah, it. throw a few bucks at it, let it linger. <laughs> so, so that kind of calls into question, like how seriously were the, was the Soviet government, the Soviet union taking you uh, anomalous phenomenon uh, at this point? Cause it's like, if you were, you're putting this thing that, I mean, they pretty much had to beg for funding like after the points of this. And, and th- that is a point that's kind of brought yeah, but up. This
1: is, about this. this is the, height of the cold war man where it's like it's not like they can just like this isn't they they don't know what this is they have no tangible like evidence they're just like we want to find out what this is is it the states is it something else could we use it could we defend against it but we don't really know what it is but at the same time, we're we're like locked in this cold war with the united states all the funding's going to that like all the funding's going to other programs and stuff and you gotta remember, like they're they're almost tapped out. You know what I mean? Like the fall of the USSR is like, you know, not far off. Right. So it's like I can't imagine, you know, they're they're probably running out of funds at this point where they're like they're tightening the old belt, be like, Oh, you know what? The the hmm.
4: AP program, get hmm. what you get. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's surprising though. Can they afford to make that call, especially when they don't know if it is like, it could be technology from the fucking States. Well, maybe that was one of the things where
1: it's like, okay, they're going to give this initial funding. If you find tangible, like if, if we can prove anything with that's exciting or, you know, that, that might, we're going to put more funds into it. But until we have that further evidence, we just don't have the funds to lock up. We're too busy. Right. (laughs) Sending spies over in the forms of American celebrities, <laughs> paying for their lavish lifestyles
2: <laughs> in Hollywood. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. Uh, so you had this, um, uh, you had this document that was drawn up by the main executor of the defense ministry, and it pretty much approved. Uh, or it was approved by the chief of the general staff of the Soviet armed forces in January of 1980. And this one I found interesting because it actually kind of standardized the procedures whereby the main executor of the program would receive information from individual armed services. So they kind of named a person like, this is who you're going to send the, your reports on anomalous phenomena are going to end up here. This is where they're going. And then it also set down the rules for documenting UFO sightings in the armed forces themselves and the procedures for submitting those reports in accordance with the urgency and the importance of the information contained within them. So you had an entire kind of layout of what was going to happen if you saw anomalous phenomenon, which I thought was really interesting that this happened in 1980. And then when in contrast, the United States, we didn't really have this. We never really had this. The reports always kind of ended up like you had the FBI or you had the Air Force, um, Army or whatever, and then they would kind of file their own reports, and then that stuff would just end up, you know, in some uh, box over right next to the Ark of the Covenant or whatever. But uh, you never really had Locked a story. They didn't even have. They didn't even consider this until I remember. Um, like 2018, like when those, that's when they started writing out, like, no, we're going to make you know, a tip like two, what was it? 2008. Yes. Like 2008. Like when they had like a tip kind of come out, but even then, uh, we never had like a single department responsible or a single organization, uh, that put that together, and that, that's mainly armed services. We never, we've never here in the United States had one that was both like academic and, uh, to my knowledge, right off the top of my head, um, I could be wrong, I'm pretty sure.
4: And you should have seen what we were doing in fucking Canada, bud. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
2: Super sophisticated. Very, wow. yeah, very sophisticated <laughs> shit up here. <laughs> the yeah.
1: Greatest Canadian minds. We're not allowed to talk about it, but we're all in on it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> we're all in on it and we all know nothing about it at the same time.
1: Yeah. No, we all know <laughs> exactly. it. we're a socialist country, so we all share the information. That's true. <laughs> right, right, right. We all got a piece of the
2: truth. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, this this organization uh, eventually became earned the name the network. Like it was just referred to as (sighs) the network. That's a
1: fucking cool organization.
2: The network, (laughs) and uh, it it like Zell said, it was uh, over investigated. Probably like three thousand cases, at least three thousand cases uh, that they investigated from nineteen seventy eight to nineteen ninety, and (laughs) it. It ends up being kind of just like Blue Book, at least what's reported. And it's like over only about like 300 of the cases were considered to be legitimately anomalous. Like ten what was at 10%. 10%. But Blue Book was less. Blue Book was about five.
3: Right. So maybe either Blue Book in, like, took more cases, like a wider net when they investigated. But you, like yeah, same thing though. Like 5%, 10%. That's a pretty significant number of like stuff like your best scientists. Which is
2: still 300 cases, still a lot. Like yeah, it's your best scientists and
3: military advisors don't have a clear answer. They're like un- unidentified, like a mystery. That's pretty nuts.
2: Yeah. And and I think it's just amazing that this all stemmed from that one huge event. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not amazing, but it's also, that's also like, like, yeah, duh,
4: but it just shows how significant that event was. And and that's
1: what I mean. That's why you can't just write off this event as you know, a a Soyuz rocket or whatever the official explanation was for it, because it was the catalyst for all of this research being done. And there's no way they're going to do any of that if they don't, think there's something else to this like you know what i mean if there if this is like you're not gonna be like oh yeah that was in fact the Soyuz rocket. but we should just start studying ufos no, for just no case. particular reason just in case i mean would it hurt eh, maybe not like that doesn't that doesn't logically like add up to me like you see a cause and effect here you have this huge event that is seen ac- across countries hundreds of witnesses That has tangible evidence of boreholes in asphalt, holes in windows, people seeing it, um, feeling effects from it, and then you instantly going into researching these phenomenon, you can't tell me that you knew what it was. I'm like... It th- that doesn't add up for you, them. To How say long did like, it take
4: them to come up with these explanations, though? Like, were these instantaneous, or did it take them a while? Like, did this group get together, do some research, and be like, "Oh shit, okay, so we launched a rocket on this day, or well, we did this." Okay, they, I thought so, they
2: reported the Suez first. Well, they, they well, it's the Cosmos nine five five. That's the one. So the Cosmos nine five five. So after the event, the day after the event happened, there was a news bulletin from Moscow, an official news bulletin that uh, came out of speaking of that the the Cosmos nine five five had been launched from the Russian Baikonur uh, Cosmodrome, which was their uh, that the the public's known uh, you know space. Like their space launch facility. That was the one that was known by the public and most well known by the United States. And so there was a, so that was the first kind of explanation that kind of came out. Then you would have multiple explanations. Now you have a kind of a Roswell situation kind of popping up here where you had the director of the Polkovo Observatory, Vladimir Krat, who thought that the phenomenon or went on record thinking that the phenomenon was caused by the fall of a meteorite. What? And then later, whoa, whoa, in later whoa. speeches, he would change his story to um, thinking that, the you know, attributing the phenomenon to Aurora's. Wait, did this meteorite somehow like slow down, like slow really, down, really, really up. slow? Well, I imagine it kind of like, you know, it's one of those kind of skimming. Meteor, so it kind of hits and boom, and then and then kept going. Something yeah, but they, that, don't like that. Do they
4: normally but, take twelve minutes to get no? To no fall? chance. Isn't that <laughs> a meteor,
2: a meteorite, <laughs> a, anything that collides with Earth's
3: atmosphere or like air burst or anything like that. Those things are over. Like, well, I'm assuming it's to be
4: like a shooting star. Right? It's just fucking zip well, by, well, gone. Yeah,
3: like kind of, but shooting stars usually like a much smaller piece of debris. So, if say it was like, well, yeah, say but, it was like a big meteor hit the. Atmosphere t- started tumbling and burning. It's still it's still going at 30,000 kilometers an hour.
1: Yeah, it came to a stop, turned into a translucent jellyfish for a little bit. <laughs> Spouted up. then traversing <laughs> yeah. west. Shooting a orb out of its... And yeah. <laughs> As it started to smoke yeah. <laughs> because it, its engines were malfunctioning in the asteroid.
3: Yeah, the meteorite, I mean, nah. I don't the
1: meteorite is ludicrous. Stupid. Based on the reports and the accounts, the pictures...
3: The so, artist, well,
4: no. we don't know if that picture is real or not, right? Like, that's <laughs> artist supposedly rendering. a picture. Of yeah.
3: So, wait. So, he's originally said that's in- actually,
4: that's another thing that's interesting is the fact that this is with this multiple, this span of fucking of sightings and this many people that have witnessed it. And this is the seven, like 77 people have access to cameras here. And we don't have, no one has a fucking decent picture of this All other right. than yeah, but it's, the uh, one it's that we don't four know before in the morning. Four in the morning. Right,
3: I'm yeah. gonna say
4: that people don't have
1: Polaroid cameras with them in their pockets.
4: No, but they have them in their houses. This was seen by from fucking
2: apartment. But I think buildings. you'd have to take this the lot, you'd have houses. to probably take a pretty long exposure. Like, yeah, there's night. not a
1: chance you know, those those photos are turning out. Yeah, well, I,
4: but still, they could be like, hey, this is a photo of it. I have, and then this they'd is be like evidence. this.
1: They'd be like this. Oh yeah, that's a black photo. That's, <laughs> nice that's smudgy, what would nice blob you got there, buddy. Yeah, it's a black <laughs> photo. But we do,
4: we do suppose we have a photo of it.
1: Yeah, so some, someone probably had a better camera than everyone else right. who was a reporter or something, right? Okay. Knew what they were doing. Dude, to take a picture at night, it's, just, it's tricky. You just
4: justified all the reasons why they wouldn't be able to be a good photo, and now you're like, well, but, you but know, you're saying there was one good one. No, good no, one, no, no, there- no,
1: Andrew, to your point, to your point, there's one good photo. There's a, Supposedly. There's one good photo, Right. And I will tell you right now, like to do, go a- out this guy was at just night, randomly and
4: filming stars taking pictures photography. And out.
1: Like you, you need to know what you're doing because y- y- if you don't, your picture is going to turn out just black, or you get
4: overexposure and it's just white. Yeah, especially at this up too time much of streetlights and stuff. And this picture was just taken by a random bystander. Well, he, it he might have been, been someone who knew how to it work was a Fucking S- Sergey Fedorov just hanging out. Sergey Yeah. Decided to fucking
2: take a little snap. Send it in. So we would say that Vladimir Krat, his first his first statement says that it is a meteorite. Second, he changes it just a, li- a little time later. He would go on to say that it is caused by auroras, and this Whoop. was challenged by the 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 civilian UFO society there in the Soviet Union because they're like you're an idiot. Like auroras don't form below the clouds. Like you have to form above those. Like they they hit him on that, and then. So then he tries to wriggle out of it That's and say that, explain stupid. it, that it was a rocket stage burning up. Oh, okay.
3: Well, Okay. We've seen so far, ones. so far out of these three theories, the rocket stage, because we have se- probably the most reasonable. Yeah. One. We have seen like when, you know, SpaceX, dro- they dropped their booster or what? The, and it does uh, that
1: what, big blue. Like when the fir- yeah, the art. the
3: first stage is launching. That is like a big blue aura. It does look very, it looks very like, Alien. Like when you looked up and you had no idea what that was, You're like that's UF.
4: Boys, it's all a cover ups. Man. <clears throat> so, so far. It's all cover
3: ups. So, I like if you were to say it's a booster, I mean, it would make more sense for the time spotted because you do see those for a while. Like you do, they could do slowly. They look like they're going slow, but they're really going like, you know, 5,000 kilometers an hour across the sky. Yeah, but. So I, far.
1: You know, the, the light doesn't bend they don't look translucent right it's they don't stay uniform like that It it, like I I I can see like the first object where it's like the uh, the outer translucent ring and the whatever was going in the end stay uniform as it travels throughout the sky I just don't think and the way that it's depicted of the these beams like bending and shining down to the ground just doesn't add up that it's some sort of rocket launch like these this light is pretty low like it's it's it, it's hitting the ground people are are seeing it people are saying it's like it's like raining like seemingly like raining light like glowing like I'm like that's a description that I just doesn't add up to me with rocket launch. Okay. But I will agree that what you said Zell is like you know like when the SpaceX first launched, you're like, yeah, we did think it was alien. So I do think it's a better, uh, Dimitri, uh, you know, he's, he's, he should have came out the gate with this one rather than, cause to me, he lost credibility by going like, ah, it's a meteorite. And they're like, how explain that? And he's like, Aurora. And they're like, how it's under the clouds. And he's like, oh shit. Now I better, I got to get something a little more plausible to me. Like he's lost the, like his his credit's doing that.
3: Okay, yeah, I see that. Okay, now let's, uh well, we've been talking about this picture so i was just quickly, I just pulled it up real quick here. I think your camera's all fucked, but doesn't matter. It's not, not, not on your screen, on my, my screen. My camera? No, on my screen. Oh. Don't worry about it. So here, yeah, here's like the only picture you can find that looks like a, like a jellyfish. Like it looks like a orb at the top raining down tentacles kind of with like this doesn't it looks more like a sketch though this picture doesn't it
4: Yeah no
1: there's there, I have seen a different sketch. picture
3: I'll find it That's for you That's an right artist now.
1: rendition a, yeah there's one photo where it there's looks like uh like light beams I
4: it's I saw it on Reddit I'll pull it up
2: so not only would you have at least this uh, Vladimir Krat at the Polkova Observatory, you also had uh, M. Dmitriev, uh, who is a doctor of chemical science. He offered up the explanation that the phenomenon was caused by the formation of an air glow zone in the atmosphere, uh, which he explained was how nitrous oxide pollution and factor, like factories had caused it. So it was caused by, it was like caused by pollution. <laughs>
1: you know what? Like, okay, maybe, maybe I'd buy in except that would be such a more occurring phenomenon now.
3: Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Like t- time, has defeated that, that theory. Well, yeah. Sev- well, seventies and eighties were probably some of the most polluted skies in our, in cities at least it's before. Yeah. Before regulations and like, stuff like that. Like, like, like LA, yeah. LA back in like the eighties before they did like all that emissions. stuff. Oh, you could it, sm- it was just smog, like thick, Disgusting smog and all like the. I mean, think of China today. Like, think of pictures, China on a bad day.
4: Uh, in the group. So,
3: okay, do I have the? Let's see which one is this. Oh yeah, okay, I got that one too. Okay, so here's the picture again. If you're watching the live stream, if not, we'll describe it to you. So, so it's, that's the alleged
2: photo of the, the Petrushovskis fo- phenomenon.
4: What? That just looks like a giant Kamehameha Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. the The does. quality of this picture is on par with like um, Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> no, a, a battle of LA. Remember what we the, have? Like
1: yeah, the, yeah. It no, kind of looks like that.
3: Again, yes. like in the picture, it looks like a illuminated top and with, yeah, like something coming down from the bottom. Yeah, jelly, jellyfish yeah, like definitely.
1: Yeah, you can see that ring around. You can see where it's like kind of emitting light above as well. Like, But it's really bright in the hole down below. Like it's, yeah, it, it looks like, a it, you know, if you just showed me this and be like, what do you think this is? It, it, this photo was taken in Russia. I'd be like, man, it looks like the fabric is space time is ripping and we're seeing <laughs> uh, a butthole
4: form there. Yeah. <laughs> of course you go straight to the butt,
3: straight to the butt BJ cheeks at it again. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So, so you'd have one more, one more offered explanation CM- as to what happened is that you had a uh, Dr. James Oberg, who is a mission controller at NASA's Johnson space center in Houston, Texas. And, and, Since NASA and uh, was a key, you know, they were pretty much in, you know, they were fairly invested in Russian spaceflight, as you probably any uh, American like aeronautics division probably was. Uh, He thought he actually knew what was going on. So Oberg says that he telephoned NASA's satellite tracking center to check whether the Soviets had actually launched something uh, from a nearby cosmodrome. Uh, that was uh, located at placetsk that nobody was supposed to know about. And apparently they had tracked a launch from that facility at 3.58 a.m. on September 20th, uh, which was just minutes before the Petrosavotsk UFO was actually sighted. Okay. okay. So launching of a spy a satellite. A spy satellite. From a cosmodrome that was not supposed to exist. So a little, a little bit about the the, the Plasetsk, uh cosmodrome is that the Plazetsk cosmodrome was known primarily for military launches. It was especially used for the Zenit photo reconnaissance satellites, so spy satellites, um, which were launched in large numbers during the seventies and eighties. Uh, the USSR did not officially admit the existence of this. Cosmodrome of this facility until 1983, so nobody knew about it. Oh, civilians didn't know about it. Top Soviets Soviet, didn't. yeah. So it kind of yeah. lends a little bit of weight to it, but so that's we're now know. we're now we're back to the like a, a a launch though, right? Well, right. But the Soviets never offic- They never officially claimed that this was the satellite. Like they they've never officially acknowledged that this was a that satellite this was launch. them. Mm. Nobody's claimed responsibility. They never claimed responsibility how, for it. How like readily
4: available is you know the fuck, especially like Soviet era, era information,
3: right? Like, I imagine not, not as not readily. Yeah. yeah right? Like that's
1: <laughs> um you know it, possible. possible because you know we've talked about other theories where, you know, during Paperclip, um, they had Operation uh, Mm Osoviaking, where they, you know, allegedly grabbed, um, where we grabbed rocket scientists and, um, you know, tech scientists. Uh, They were grabbing um, aerospace engineers and that they were light years ahead um, in the field of, like, aerodynamics and stuff. And they actually had, um, you know, these... Aircrafts, for lack of a better word, that could do these feats and that the crash in Roswell is actually one of their most su- sophisticated spy planes, which is a flying saucer. Um, that is mm. a theory out there. Annie Jacobs writes a book on it. However, I just, again, I don't see the point in immediately after this, you rounding up and doing the most fucking research ufos ever
4: <laughs> yeah but maybe that's maybe that was purposeful for them to get that information out there because they're like they wanted to hide that technology they didn't want people to know that they were had that technology available so well, they wanted to be like oh we're just in as surprised as you, are.
1: <laughs> you
4: know what i mean yeah, like they're working they got it, and, and it they wrong didn't crash so. and they didn't crash this time so it's been improving uh we yeah. want to get a final thoughts
3: yeah so those that those are all the possible theories of what this what it could be yeah Okay. Or, you know what? You got to go with one. More. I went with this. We're missing one theory here.
1: We're we're missing one. Mine. I thought, as I said, open the case file with. What if this is some kind of cryptid? What if this is some sort of atmospheric god creature, right? That comes down like like similar to a jellyfish. Some sort of light being, maybe a fourth dimensional being, that's traversing space and time, much like a jellyfish. And it comes down. And what we are seeing in these times is whatever's it reacting, it in the fourth dimension reacting to our, to our world. Um, and you know, the, we see the light, the burning, like it's, it's oxidizing, like, um, it it travels away. it, It moves and we're just seeing it in shapes and stuff that we can understand in our dimension. And that's why we seemingly see this thing move into a ball. um, and then sh- and traverse around and it, it's smoking but maybe like maybe it's not necessarily smoke it's just what we're viewing in our dimension like the closest thing that can you know happen cuz we can't even begin to process what's actually going on in whatever dimension this thing operates in um
3: are you so t- i think are it's you telling some me it's sort like of extra dimensional cryptid
1: yeah i think it's an extra dimensional fucking jellyfish man floating around why not Right. These these things like who's to say hey. a jellyfish can't live in space. What do they do? What do they breathe? They don't do you much. You don't know, Dan. You ever take a jellyfish? Water. Were you there? Were you there, Dan? What kind of patriot are you? Were you there? I mean, I've been
4: stung Hold by on.
2: jellyfish. I knew they lived
4: What if country. it's the extra dimensional fucking uh, biological entity from Watchmen? Okay. I, it's, it looks like a giant. It's like a giant octopus, isn't it? If I remember correctly.
1: Right? Because this thing, you gotta remember like this thing left physical, like there's reports of it boring holes in asphalt in windows, leaving like a crystalline uh, substance in these holes. So like, there was effects. There was effects enough that the Russians after this event go like, we need to research into whatever the fuck that thing was. And I'm gonna say like, you know, maybe like nuclear testing not only brought um, UFOs and stuff sniffing around, but it also started to attract these other dimensional beings, right? Whether they, you know what I mean? It was coming or hap- maybe this thing was just happened to be floating by in the sea <laughs> uh, that just, is our universe. It
2: was just floating by. Dude, <laughs> yeah, that's we we that's are what, literally. Carried flo- on, it was carried on solar wind. I like that. We I were, love it. We're,
1: we're literally floating around in an endless nothingness on a rock that's moldy. And you're gonna say that it's ludicrous to think that I'm not uh, some it's sort ludicrous. of bigger being just drifted by us and we got a <laughs> glimpse of it <laughs> as it as it drifted away. A space jelly,
3: interdimensional
1: space, space jelly.
3: jelly. Yes, that's what I believe. So then, when your theory, then there's more than one of these space jellies. It could be everywhere. Yes, or there could be only one, or it is the space jelly. But why? If did, there's
1: one, there's not. There's likely more than
3: one. Well, why did the so. jelly then? Go from a jelly into a, a burning orb in the next country over.
4: Laid an egg that was on fire. Shot an egg out. And disappeared.
2: No, it was one of those it's 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 like a large uh I guess, you know, extra dimensional version of the Medusa jellyfish that essentially reduces reduces itself to its minimalist size and it's like a phoenix. It just re it just reborn. The one that's the immortal jellyfish, you know what I'm talking about?
3: <laughs> I don't, but
2: no, oh. I do now. Wow. Well, there th- this is ge- a, there's this a type jellyfish. of jellyfish that essentially, like, has been a you know a very focus of some scientists because it is extremely interesting that it's essentially immortal. That it just kind of like breaks down its parts and then it kind of grows back to its like, uh, like embryonic stage and then just kind of regenerates. Um, I'm probably oversimplifying it, or uh, so when or so when whatever, this jellyfish
3: but, fish hits our atmosphere, ionosphere, magnetosphere, some sphere, you're thinking it's just about recharging. it wrong.
1: You're thinking about it wrong when it punches oh, through sorry. its dimension into ours that's the reaction that our oxygen our atmosphere has on its fifth dimensional body
3: or whatever dimension it's in and then the orb it, sh- it shoots the orb in a rebirth i'm going i'm combining theories here your theory and Dan's theory oh i'm just adding on i like it no i <laughs> <Dan's> like it <laughs> it's like, that's like oh it's right, not my theory at all i want right, to be backtracking out <laughs> okay i'm going to back out slowly on the same theory then <laughs> so that it you're what you're saying then you're it's just a, a form of extraterrestrial it's not from here it's from somewhere else
1: yeah 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 extra dimensional terrestrial
3: i like that ultra terrestrial i don't yeah. know <laughs> like ultra it, yeah ultra terrestrial it just yeah. exists everywhere at all times
2: yeah i'm and,
1: just saying i'm just saying what's here on earth you know what i mean like you know we have tardigrade and stuff you, you you know, magnifying out, you're not. You're going to tell me that there, there, it's impossible for some sort of being that we don't know about to just be drifting up there. Not no, I'm not saying it's There's impossible
3: a at all. Not one bit. in In my mind, when I, I thought you were going with, you're just going to go with a classic ET or alien. But I like no. that you took it farther.
1: Yeah, it's not even like it's a, just,
3: it's, yeah. Hmm. I like that. That's my theory. So was that a final <laughs> thought theory in one? Is that what that was? Why else? Do all the investigative work after, right? Put in
1: all the work. Like work was put in. It wasn't fake work. Work was put in.
2: <laughs> I like it. I'm gonna. Go. Uh, you want to go, Dan? Yeah. Dan, f- send it away. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, you know, I'll go real quick. Uh, I think the Cosmos Nine Five Five theory has the most uh, explanation. Has the most heft to it, as it is. Like we said, uh, or like I said, the Placette's Cosmos room was a secret. It, got, it was a secret space facility that wasn't acknowledged. So none of the um, you know, the scientists who were investigating this would have any knowledge that this place even existed. And you're we trying to explain this thing. But the 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 launch of the rocket or of this the spy satellite, like potentially it could have exploded. And I think that was one of the stories that they tried to sell to the United States. You know, because you want the United States to think that, yes, dar, da, our satellite exploded. It's <laughs> not up there taking pictures of all your advanced military sites. It totally is gone. No more. It's not there anymore. They exploded. You know, you'd want people to think that that actually happened. Um, but perhaps the the... launch was actually successful and then to muddy the waters even more they co-opted scientists and on there and they threw some lip service at They're like, "Hey, look here's some money we're gonna give you yeah we're totally gonna fund you guys uh, uh ufo things to make this seem legit that we're not actually launching space satellites it's no it's ufos and there's just this layer on layer of deception as to whether it is a UFO. So, I mean, it, maybe it is a space jellyfish could totally, totally be that. But it's also that the fact that um, the, the stuff that they're doing right now also seems a lot similar to some of the stuff the United States has done. We're trying to throw out explanations in order to cover up, you know, throwing out UFOs. Uh, we've talked about for like deliberate disinformation to cover up for UFOs or say like, yeah, it is a UFO, but it's actually a secret spy satellite. Uh, mm-hmm. And then if it's a, it, it's, it's frustrating for me um, as a person, uh, anybody who's interested in UFOs, where it's like, you have to muddy the waters even more trying to layer on, is it a UFO? Is it a spy satellite? Was it a successful spy satellite? And then, is it not a space satellite? <laughs> Is it auroras? Is it some sort of atmospheric phenomenon that's super cool? Is it a plasma torus? Who knows? But uh, the government's not really helping by throwing all this stuff at it, and it's just like I don't know. But uh, but from the descriptions, if you kind of compare it to some of the space satellite launches uh, that occur, I mean, you can look up like uh, you know a, a SpaceX and some of their uh, rocket launches. And if you compare the time of day and the atmospheric conditions, uh, early clear skies, uh, moderately clear skies, early morning uh, rocket launches, and the way that those kind of shape out, I mean, it looks kind of similar to a uh, a rocket launch. Some similarities for sure. Andrew, what do you think?
4: I mean, there's always a problem when you go near the end here. <laughs> These theories I kind of was erring on the side, like, I thought it would be cool, you know, potentially, if they were test-piling some of the technology that they acquired from Nazi scientists in Operation Osefiakine. And then what's the one major thing that we know that the Russians are really, really, really fucking good at? And Dan kind of just touched on it. Yes, Exactly. So maybe all this bullshit that came out, oh, we're putting our top scientists on it because we don't know exactly what it is. And we got to start investigating UFOs and this could possibly be a UFO? Well, that's probably just all fucking disinformation. Right? So they have this technology and they were test piling this technology. And whether it was some type of cloaking device or something like that they have, maybe it failed. Maybe there was a problem and way more people witnessed it than they hoped. And that's what happened here. That being said, you know, in this time, right, between World War II and 1977, like I was touching on earlier, how many fucking times have they used nuclear weapons? How many times have they been used? How many times have they been tested? Right? Mm -hmm. These these extraterrestrials are probably seeing the damage that we're doing to our atmosphere and being like, well, we need to go down there and check this shit out. So it's not that hard for me to believe that it is some type of ET coming Mm -hmm. down, being like, we've got to kind of check in on these people before they blow themselves up or blow everybody up. So, but
3: I I think it's Russian technology from Operation Osofaya King. Fuck, that was... That was pretty eloquent. I like that.
1: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, wow. That was, wow.
3: So yeah, I'm I'm gonna say it right now. He blacked out there. Yeah, What, what just happened? Andrew was just perfect. <laughs> just absolutely fucking ho- he went out of the park there. We're fucking, 'cause I'm too sober. <laughs> that's problem. You only had what, you only had one beer or what? <laughs> two drinks. I only had two whiskeys. Oh, that's not enough. No, that's not enough I'm when close. you're talking about aliens. That's fucking close. Uh I'm gonna go ahead and say it definitely was not a meteorite. I don't think it was a type of atmosphere. Because nobody ate it. No one ate it. There's no record of someone (laughs) shaving a piece off, eating it. So out. Meter right out. Atmospheric phenomenon like an aurora or something. I think that's out. Just the sheer distance it traveled and how it changed as it went. The air glow zone.
2: No, this is a pretty good one. I mean, what what the fuck? What are you talking about here? Mm, Chemiluminescence moved across the sky, left a huge trail behind (laughs) it. Yeah. Chemiluminescence trail in the sky. Was was this Chemiluminescence or something? fucking Like, what are Mm -hmm, you talking about? Get get out of town. Sounds cool. Sounds fucking awesome.
1: He's like, same as sea in air.
2: Same thing. It's the name of my fucking synth rock band. (laughs) It's a good name. Chemiluminescence. Yeah. That's actually
3: should should get that website. It's a cool name. He should get that website. I called it shotgun. Dan (laughs) shot it. Dan shot it. Don't buy the website. Nope. Do I think it was a a launched satellite? I mean, so as far as like what I've seen on video, like the big glowing orb, like that you know, the when the rocket like is passing through atmosphere, it is pretty wild looking. It does look extraterrestrial. But what? It doesn't look like. So let's let's take this picture that, at face value. That's a real picture. It doesn't look like that, right? Not even mm-hmm. close. That looks like something complete. That looks. I don't know what that is. Like something. It, yeah, it looks like a an atmosphere it's jellyfish. Me- me- me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone's charging up. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Goku is saving the planet.
3: So, is it an ET? Some type of extraterrestrial thing? Yeah. As, like Braden said. Like, what if it is? It's something living in a different, like the next dimension, and that that is it interacting with us, like our atmosphere. Maybe it was just something that passed through the atmosphere at, like you know, going at insane speeds, but in a wave form we don't see visibly, and that's just the reaction. Um, so I'm somewhere like I wanted to say this easy, easy that it was a Russian satellite. It was disinformation, misinformation. Don't worry about this. Don't look here. I'm saying it's some. I'm I'm going with I'm I'm side with Brayden. I think it's some type of extraterrestrial phenomenon.
1: Yeah. Boom.
3: That's,
2: That's right. what I think. Fun though. Some I never heard of this one. It's wild. Super neat. I think it's super cool. Even if it is, it, yeah, it could totally be some type of, you know, uh, extraterrestrial our ultra terrestrial creature coming over to recharge its batteries off our geomagnetic field Yeah, maybe, or maybe our geo, maybe our, or uh, eating the
1: radiation from the fucking nuke, all the nuke testing.
2: Sure. Well, that's what called it here in the first place. Yeah. Got it over here. This is the, the perfect, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) it's breeding ground or it's, you know, this is where it goes to regenerate like Dr. Who, like (laughs) gets to regenerate, uh, just to absorb some of the geomagnetic energy out of our, uh, or electromagnetic energy out of our atmosphere, in order to fuel its its rebirth. I like it.
3: Fun one. If you haven't hashtag look it up. Oh,
2: yeah, there's so much. There's so much
3: information. There's we, so we much like,
1: information. At the same time, it's hard to find the information on usual avenues. It's not of where accessible. you would normally find. You know, you want an easy listening podcast. There's not a lot. Nope. You want to watch some YouTube videos? There's not a lot. You want a good, <laughs> you know, hour and a half documentary? There's none. No, you got to uh, read. Gotta read. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to read yeah. a You got, you got to read. <laughs> you, you want an audio book? There's none. There's none.
4: You, 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 there's no taking the easy route
3: with this case file. You know what?
4: Everything I know about this case file, I learned in the last hour. So yeah, that's, that's I, what, I I what I mean. Right you there.
3: know what? If you want to know about this caref- case file, listen to this and just stop there. That's it. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> All right. Let's get into, uh, who's our theorite of the week? I got
4: it. Uh, do you guys have it? Cause I think Braden's going to announce it. Aren't you Braden? Or do you have the name? I could send it to you. No, I don't. I'm gonna I'm, do I, do it. I wasn't, I wasn't going to announce it. <laughs> it's not my thing. <laughs> this week's theorite of the week is Deanna Calhoun. <laughs> Deanna Calhoun for her. And for why? Her fent- why is she our theorite of the f- week? F- she came up with one of the most <laughs> thought provoking, uh, engaging Facebook posts that we've had in a really long time. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Would you like to hear about it, Dan? Love to. I would. Let's okay. hear about it. Deanna said, I had a dream last night. Braden and I were dating. I always thought I'd end up with Andrew, but dot, 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 what up, and-, or what up, Braden? Winky face. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's pretty good. I don't good. know why Braden's so upset, <laughs> but we do also have a co-theorite of the week, and that cool. person is Travis Ray Harden with his comment, ma'am, that wasn't a dream. That was a nightmare. Hashtag Andrew for the win. <laughs> Love it. Okay, that's I'm great. no
1: runner-up. So, sorry, Deanna. Keep
4: dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's second choice. <laughs> How long ago did you come up with that one, buddy? Huh? Mm. How long ago did you come up with that one? Since you she told mir- me
1: that we, I've been working on it since you told me that she was. I knew it. It's that. just been fucking <laughs> marinated. Like, oh, he's, he's been
2: scheming yeah. over there.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. only clicked like 10 seconds ago. It
4: did, yeah, yeah. I was like,
1: oh, drink, keep dreaming. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, yeah. It.
0: Ah, got
1: it. My original, the Here's jerk it. store called.
4: We're <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> out of jerks. Oh, shit. Yeah. All
3: right, we got to wrap this episode up, get into after hours here if you want to hear the case files early, all the bonus goodies, head over to patreon.com slash alien theorist podcast, support your boys, support your favorite show. this week's newest supporters, Aldo, Joey Jojo's Maloo. Did I say that right? Joey Jojo's Maloo. I don't know. It sounds awesome. Man. Joey, Jojo, Joey Jojo's Joey Jojo's Maloo. Benjamin Smiley. Carter. Brandon. Darian Swag Duke Wagner, swag. Nice. just change that. Just to Swag Duke. Get rid of the rest yeah, of that the name. Duke of Swag. Kid from Solon and Braid Anzadick Did someone try to fuck me? Fuck with me here? <laughs> Braiden's a dick. Braiden's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Braid uh, Anzadick. Dick.
4: That's just fucking clue. Braid Anzadick.
3: Dick. Raid. What? Raiden.
4: A yeah. Raiden's a dick. Raiden's a dick. Raiden's a dick. <laughs> He's it's making perfect. this up. Uh,
3: that was awesome. Never. I'd never I never make like those that. ones up. All right. That's it. Thank you very much um, for supporting the show.
1: And it's not too late to quickly get some merch for Christmas. Treat that here right in your life or treat yourself. Uh, treat head yourself. To our, head to our store. We got tons of new designs. And as we always say at the end of these things, those eyes on the skies
3: see you in after hours